He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of the 73rd Hole Podcast. Taylor Williams here running the show today. Got Colby Powell and Sam Humphreys joining us. Jim Woodward is out of the office. He's probably getting ready for the big hashtag end, a- end ALZ scramble uh, start of next week. So, But boys, we've got a great week here going on. The Tour Championship, one of my favorite events of the year. It's pretty funny. I remember back at the end of December, early January, when us three made our season predictions to start the year, and now all of a sudden the season has come to an end. So it's funny how much content that we've had go out throughout these last few months. But let's just go ahead and dive into some of the things that are going on this week. Um, before we get on to what's happening at Eastlake when it comes to golf-wise, we do have our most favorite person, probably the biggest highlight on this show, Big Jay Monahan, the PJ Tour Commissioner, is speaking with the media at 8.30 this morning, uh, 9.30 Eastern time. So maybe we'll get some stuff come out of there. So I'll go ahead and go to you, Colby. What do you expect to hear from Mr. Jay Monahan here in just a few minutes? I expect to hear something, not everything, but I expect to hear something about what was proposed to him by tour players after their meeting last week. They have their big meeting. It's pretty hush-hush mostly, and then Fire Pit Collective gets some news about maybe what was talked about, but pretty much the only thing everyone's on, like, like really has a consensus about with that meeting is that they had some stuff that they were planning to take to Monaghan, and then Monaghan meeting media before the tour championship as he does every year, so I don't expect him to, like, show up with the actual list and pass out copies to everybody, but I do anticipate that we get a little bit of information about what was talked about at that meeting and what was then subsequently presented to Jay Monahan. Now, Sam, you and me have been pretty big proponents on. We feel like that really since Liv has come out that the tour has been in extreme panic mode and it seems like they're doing wanting to implement all these different changes to try to keep up with the product or at least to make their product better because now they finally have some competition. So do you are you kind of with Colby and expect that there won't be that much come out or do you think that there is potential for there to be some fairly bigger news that we may not be expecting? Well, I think there's one specific question I would ask if I was there. Um, I'm not sure that it will be asked considering if it's, you know, NBC or any of those guys asking the questions or um, Alan Shipnug. But to me, I think that the question that I would ask is, are you considering a merger with Liv? Are you considering a collaboration with Liv? Would you be open to talking with Liv? I mean, if he says yes or maybe to any of those questions, he looks terrible because he's backtracking on, the firm stance that he took in the first place. I would also uh, like to hear Monahan's thoughts on Tiger having to basically come in um, and and lay down the wall with him. I mean, uh, he couldn't have been too happy about the Tiger-Rory players meeting. It made Monahan look terrible, right, T-Dub? Wouldn't you ask a question about that? It, it is fairly interesting because it seemed like we've had all these different Monahans came out. We had the big meeting at the Honda Classic, and then we had some other meetings between here and there, and it seems like 
from all the things that have happened with these meetings, the players meeting uh, that Tiger hosted was had by far the most implications that came from it. Obviously, nothing has officially been changed yet, but at the same time, the things are more, moving more progressively in that area for things to happen. Now, Colby, you weren't on last show, and there's something I want to get your opinion on. I think, in my personal opinion, the biggest thing that came out from uh, from Alan Shipnuck's uh, reporting and from the players' meeting was the fact that the term may be contemplating losing their nonprofit status to go to more private investing from J.P. McManus, even have Tiger and Rory being stakeholders. I said on when, on Monday's show that that could be some of the biggest news that's happened in the world of golf in the last 30 years that really no one's going to really talk about unless it fully gets happening. So what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I, I, my eyes perked up whenever I saw that, too. I'm like, we're, we're going to go full-on investor here and look the pga tour it, it has to change and it has to adapt you lose your nonprofit status a uh, i'm fairly certain that that would allow them to do whatever they want as far as who they include in their products and who they don't include in their products without having to deal with lawsuits and antitrust and all that stuff because you're kind of more of an employer at that point that would likely mean uh that guys would be on different contracts going into and coming out of the season but the private investor side of it is fascinating i mean are, are we going to end up with tiger woods owning 10% of the PGA Tour, 20% of the PGA Tour. I don't know. Tiger's worth a billion dollars. He's obviously aligned himself with the PGA Tour. J.P. McManus, like you mentioned, Rory has just piles and piles of money and and seems like he wants to be a tour guy moving forward. So the the fact that we could have tour players owning part of the product, outside investors owning part of the product, uh, it would revolutionize the PGA Tour in a way that I don't know that we expected in our lifetimes, probably it's 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 all new. It's all new and it's all fresh. It, 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 it damn sure is very fresh, and it's like like we even mentioned how many ever times on this show. It's just crazy that it, it took an extra competitor for all these things to start happening because the tour had essentially been the same. I mean, there have been a few changes here or there over the last five to ten years, but it seemed like everything had kind of had kind of stagnated out. And Sam. It seems like that. Obviously, there's been a lot of you know talk about the the the, the stagnated score that's going into the tour championship. So I think that obviously I don't think you're going to hear anything about that changing or anything like that. But I do think that with Monahan speaking today, like Colby mentioned, he does this every single year. I don't think that we're going to hear a whole lot happen from today's meeting. But I do think, especially within the next couple of weeks, Sam, and especially once we hear who those seven names are that are going to live, that's when we're going to start hearing a lot more rumblings of things happening do you agree yeah i totally agree with that uh one last thing that i would ask monahan today um i would just be more curious um and maybe he wouldn't answer this question but i would be curious to hear if tiger really proposed an 18 event tour within the tour where the top 60 players would compete in two wgc style events per month with 20 million dollar purses i i would be interested to hear if that is ballpark correct um, and, and, you know, how they're going to do that, right? And to me, if they did do that, it would be one of the most revolutionary things in golf because I'm sure if, you know, to me that would be a merger with Liv because there's no way that they could keep other guys out of those big WGC events, right? And so either you're going to have a merger with Liv or you're going to have two WGCs per month and two Liv events per month. And it's going to be like the wonderful, wonderful world of golf, guys. 
And it, 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 that is one thing that I do find interesting because if you do have two World Golf Championships a, a month and, and you take the top 60 players from that field and you have other tournaments that are going on that week, we're going to have how many ever quote-unquote opposite field events every single year. So I think that, that it's going to be really good for players that are just kind of battling to get their tour status. And obviously it'll be different from um, you know the, now that the top 70 yeah. start next year. Go ahead, Sam. Sorry, one more point to that is it's in, it's going to end up diminishing the tournaments that they were trying to prove to us were better, like the John Deere Classic or the the Rocket Mortgage or R RSM. You know, basically what I'm saying is it's going to end up killing those tournaments, right? Because eventually, only people are going to care about the 18 PGA Tour events and the 14 Live events. That's why I don't see a world where that happens. There has to be a collaboration in all of this, right? Uh, it would be interesting because when the PJ Tour tries to get their sponsors right, it it's, would be an interesting conundrum for them to start going to sponsors and saying, oh, we're going to have 18 extremely huge events, but we're going to have how many ever events that, that don't garner the strongest field. So, Colby, like I said, we, we didn't have you on the Monday show. What are your thoughts on the potential 18 uh, World Golf Championship-style events or anything else that came out from the, uh, the Fire Pit Collective's uh, report? Yeah, the WGC-style events, I, I don't know that they're going to end up being able to do that many. Like, I, I understand what the idea is, but when they say 18, like, that is really aggressive whenever from what we've been told, what we've heard, they're not planning on removing any events. I mean, like like the John Deere Classic, for example. It's not like we're proposing removing the John Deere Classic to add a WGC that week. We're just adding all these WGC-style events with big money and, and the top players uh, in the world on the PGA Tour. So, uh, yeah, I think 18 is a little bit aggressive. I think we might see them end up doing something on a smaller scale with that. Uh, other than that, the stuff that came out of the players' meeting, um, you know, very curious to see who the seven guys to go to live are. Uh, you know, we've talked about Hideki at times in the past. Hideki is a much bigger domino probably than American golf fans realize. And I think maybe American golf fans are starting to realize how big of a needle mover Hideki Matsuyama is because he controls a golf crazed country in Japan that has a bunch of money uh, and a bunch of people and they love golf and they all love Hideki. It'd be as if the only golfer in America on the PGA Tour to have had success ever was Jordan Spieth and the entire country was just behind this one American. That's what happens in Japan. So Hideki uh, is a big domino. I think Neiman, Cameron Young, I think those younger guys are big dominoes, uh, and I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we're all kind of guessing. No laying up guys are saying that they're committed to the PGA Tour. There's other guys saying that they're here and they're going to live. Um, you know, Hideki to live. Those rumors started up six, eight weeks ago probably, and he's barely played any golf this summer with all the WDs and then the DQ at the Memorial. So, uh, yeah, just finding out who those names are uh, is going to be a big deal. It seems like the Aussies, are pretty much confirmed, but other than that, a lot of that stuff's up in the air. What? And, and Colby, to your point, real quick, I got a question for you. I mean, to me, to have 18 WGC events, you would have to make the tournaments like uh, the Farmers Insurance and the Memorial and all your big tournaments, uh, the Honda, like, you know, all the big events, you would have to make those WGCs, right? They couldn't be separate from those, right? Yeah, I mean, you would have to do something like that because you can't just add 18 events. And, you know, Tiger and Rory are doing this little arena deal. Well, my point, well, is what it's I called. think you misunderstood what I was asking. Go ahead, go ahead. So basically, I, I was asking, like, are they going to get rid of the John Deere Classic-type tournaments 
and do the 18 WGCs and still have the other big events, or are they going to make the big events the WGCs? I think that's probably more feasible, right? Uh, boy, that's a good question because some of those sponsors are locked in, and this is where we get in the weed of sponsors. I mean, we saw, like, Century, for example. Century extended through 2035 yesterday with the Tournament of Champions, which is an insanely long time to sign on as a sponsor. So you've got sponsors going way out. That tournament, I'm sure, can't be touched. And I don't know how long all these contracts are. You mentioned the Farmers Insurance Open. Without knowing how long the contract is between Farmers and the PGA Tour, because, I mean, those contracts are for PGA Tour events, full field, you know, cuts, everything, normal PGA Tour events. So without knowing what those sponsors are, it would be hard to handpick events. But, yes, I do think that they would probably end up taking some of the bigger events and turning them into these, you know, elite player limited field type tournaments. And T-Dub, would the price go up for those sponsors? I mean, if you signed on for however long and then all of a sudden, that that would be the greatest buy in the history of sponsorships, right? If you bought the sponsorship to the John Deere Classic and then all of a sudden, I mean, technically not the John Deere. Let's say the Farmers Insurance Open and then now it's a WGC. Absolutely. I think that if if that if there is a lot more scheduling changes that come down the road, and I do predict that there will be, maybe not to the extent that was with the 18 WC events, that type of thing, but I do think there will be a lot of changes that come down the road. And then when it comes with that, like you said, you're going to have ne- sponsorship negotiations. Colby mentioned Century going through 2035. And there's a lot of other sponsors that maybe not go up to that full point, but they go at, at least until the 2030s. And you know what's interesting about that, too, is the PGA Tour's media rights that they just signed on for, which is one of the reasons why the tour uh, purses have increased so much, uh, at least from uh, at, at the time at which they did, is going to end in about 2030, I believe. So that's another interesting thing that's really going to come about this, don't you think, Colby, is that if we start adding these different tournaments, the media rights for the PGA Tour, and depending on how many people go for live, is probably going to be the biggest uh, financial dependent for the PGA Tour. Yeah, it definitely will. And the media rights conversation is fascinating now because you remember it was probably last December, January, maybe, Phil really started talking about the media rights and started throwing around some numbers. Nobody knew where the numbers came from. But then the live contracts come out. Now, they're heavily redacted, but heavily redacted live contracts come out, and they signed all the live guys signed away their media rights. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know how do players ever end up with media rights? Should players ever end up with media rights? They don't have them on the PGA Tour. They don't have them on live. I Guys, I'll be real honest. I have no idea what happens with media rights moving forward. But, yeah, I do think it's a fascinating piece of the equation because, I mean, in 2025, what are the media rights for Rory McIlroy going to be worth? You know, in 2030, what are who, who's a, a hot young star right now who's going to come out in the game? What, what if Cameron Young. Out? Yeah. Cam, Cameron right. Young. What if Cameron Young is a five-time major winner by 2030? I mean, what are those media rights worth? I have no idea, but that – I mean, yeah, it's just another piece of the puzzle that as the golf landscape changes, uh, both sides are going to have to decide what they do with media rights, and then maybe it'll impact some players' decisions. And to be fair, yes, the live guys did sign their media rights away, but they got guaranteed money, you know, so basically you can factor that in. And, and in the PGA Tour, they weren't getting guaranteed money or their media rights. Well, I, I tell you guys, 
I tell you guys what everyone needs to factor into their game. That's a Groove It Golf Brush because it is the best brush around. By far the best golf cleaning. Put water in the brush. There's no uh, no wires. Just take it off the magnet. Detach it. Spray your club. Drench it off. Go to their website, GrooveItBrush.com. Use the promo code 73rd Hold. That's 73RDHOLE for 10% off and get that uh, bad baby ordered and put it on your back. So, guys, one thing I want to talk about, we hadn't really discussed this a whole lot, but uh, I, I want to get y'all's opinion on this, just because when Colby's rattling off some names earlier who potentially may be going to live, obviously Cam Smith has been the, the the most in the spotlight. I guess Hideki's been right around there, been a little bit more rumors, and even brought up Joaquin Neiman. And, and, and Sam, I'll go to you because we kind of talked about this uh, on the last show, but I want to dive into a little bit more with Colby here, is we already see the international team without Abraham answer on it. And obviously the U the U.S. team is going to be pretty stacked, but they're not going to be able to get guys like DJ Brooks, Kepka, Patrick Reed, Taylor Gooch on those guys with with Will Zalatoris uh, having to withdraw. So, and this was my whole point about one of the reasons why I, I dislike the way that the the reaction to the lifter has been because. Sam, there is nothing good that comes from not having Abraham Answer, Cameron Smith, Hideki in in the President's Cup. There's nothing good that comes from it. So, to me, that's been my biggest complaint about all this is banning these guys for essentially what I consider to be a a very small reason whenever you're diluting what what the President's Cup is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the the best players in the United States versus the best players on the international team, and that isn't going to happen this year, Sam. No, I mean, you're right. It's definitely diluted, and obviously I think that Cam Smith is going, so that's uh, one of the locked-in guys from the international team. We Even on the U.S. team, I mean, we've heard rumblings about Cantley and Shoffley. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know um, if it's still the same rumor that we heard back in the day or if that rumor was ever even true, guys. But what I'm saying Dude, is – Just real quick, Sam. Xander Shoffley committed to the Zozo Championship yesterday, which is in October which all but just kind of confirms him staying with the PGA Tour. Yeah, and that definitely could mean that, but he could also pull out of that tournament as well. I mean, you never know, right? I mean, um, so so what I'm saying is, yeah, I don't know whether those guys are staying or going, but either way, the President's Cup is definitely diminished. I mean, you don't have Dustin Johnson. I mean, look at at the Tour Championship this week, guys. I mean – uh, of the past winners, I mean, Dustin Johnson, obviously not going to be at Eastlake. He's a past winner at Eastlake. Henrik Stinson is a past winner at Eastlake. But, guys, look at the playoffs. And you have Cam Smith, who obviously got hurt, I guess, you know. And then uh, Willie Z definitely dealing with the back injuries. And, and so now it's kind of Cantlay versus Scheffler. And, I mean, we had a lot – you know, a great play throughout the year, and it wasn't just Cantlay and Scheffler. Now it's just kind of like a, a diminished uh, tour championship to me even, too, not, not just uh, considering the President's Cup being diminished as well. I mean, it, it all has to do, um, you know, with guys going to live, and the reason why they're going to live is because they were treated in their mind, bad by the PGA Tour for so many years, and now the PGA Tour is copying Liv's model, and it seems like uh, that even guys that are on the PGA Tour right now, or even guys, according to Alan Shipnuck, that were in that meeting, uh, are willing to talk to Liv and, and willing to uh, change some things up, guys. I mean, the 18th model is literally just their version of Liv, right? It's essentially the exact same thing when it, when it's all added up. Purse size, field size, 
everything like that. So, Colby, I, now I, I just want your opinion on the exact same thing. Now, I mean, is it is it really good for the game of golf and for the Presidents Cup to not have these guys playing? Like we already mentioned, Abraham Answer not playing. Let's say Cam Smith commits right after the Church Championship. Is it good for the game of golf for the international team to say no? We don't want you to play. Yeah, I think that Cam Smith going. I think Mark Leachman and Adam Scott. I'd be shocked if all the Aussies didn't go. And that's, I mean, all three of those guys. I'm pretty sure uh, Leachman qualified for President's Cup too, didn't he? I don't think he's on the automatic qualifiers. He's not on the eight. The eight automatic qualifiers are Hideki, Cam Smith, Sungjae, uh, Joaquin Neiman, uh, Tom Kim, Corey Connors, Adam Scott, who you just mentioned, and Mito Pereira, who sh- who potentially should have had a PJ Championship. So that's a pretty stacked team. But yet, if you let's just say out of out of the three or four guys we let's just say two of them go. Let's say Cam Smith and Adam Scott go. I, I mean, seriously, Colby, is that good for the international team to not have those guys? No, no, it's definitely not. You know, the PGA Tour was doing what it felt like it needed to do to protect its product. Uh, and I've said before, I probably would have done the same thing if I was the PGA Tour, because if you don't, you wind up third in the pecking order, uh, and you become a feeder tour, and they didn't want to become a feeder tour. I also think the PGA Tour did want to, uh, you know, distance themselves from direct involvement with the Saudis. And we can, we can, I mean, we've dived into that in past episodes. We don't necessarily need to go totally down that rabbit hole, but. Yeah, now we're left at a point where we are going to have a watered-down team competition. Real quick, I had a thought pop in my head whenever you said Sunjay's name. This is just totally random. Just popped in my head mid-conversation. I'm a little surprised that none of the South Korean guys have gone because, I mean, guys, that military service looms, and we've seen it happen time and time again. We saw it happen with a guy like Sang Moon Bay where these, these guys have to go do their military service, and then they come back two years later, and it's hard to reach the high level that they were at previously. So, like a Tom Kim is a hot young name in the game of golf, 40 years old, just won on the PGA Tour. Siwoo Kim, Sung J.M. Uh, I mean, these guys are some, some good young players who I would imagine have a big, uh, a big piece of the population as a fan base in Korea. So, I, I don't know. I just kind of thought about that as we were mid, mid-conversation here. Sam, I'm, I'm kind of surprised we haven't heard any rumors or anything about those guys going. Well, I mean, he could definitely be in the group of those players that you might see leave after the Tour Championship, right? Oh, yeah. Any of those guys definitely could. It's, uh, let's see, who's some Jays at the Tour Championship? Tom Kim is not. He just missed out, and then C was not. He, he would have missed it by quite a bit. But, yeah, they definitely could be going after the Tour Championship. I, I'm kind of looking at it as four spots, because I'm, I'm giving two to Adam Scott and Mark Leachman. And then after that, I don't know. Um, totally random one that I have some reason to believe is going. Uh, I think Cameron Trangali is going. Uh, that's just you can just throw that out there as my dark horse for early next week. Dark, guys, I, dark horse live candidates. How about that, guys? We could talk about guys going to live, and and there's so much talk about oh seven guys going to live. This all might become a moot point once we get you know a month or two down the road because I. My thing is, my, my prediction is that there's going to be a merger and there's going to be a collaboration between the PGA Tour. After hearing what I heard Alan Shipnuck report after Tiger's players meeting, I, I don't think it matters anymore. You think within the next month or two? No, no. I, I'm saying for next season or the season after that, I, 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 I truly think if they start this 18-event thing next season, then it has to be a collaboration with Liv. 
I, I think that here's my personal opinion. I think that talks with Liv from the PGA Tour and Liv will start faster than people think. I think those will probably take place fairly soon after the Tour Championship. At least some sort of negotiation. Or maybe it's at, maybe once the Liv events are done, maybe that's when it'll take. But I, I, think, I don't know if they'll talk until after the lawsuit in January. Well, the, well, the lawsuit trial date is set for January 2024. So, I mean, it's it's absolutely forever. Oh, that's 2024. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, that. there's. Okay. Uh, yeah, Kobe may have the exact date, but there's something I believe they could get pushed up to August of 2023. But yeah, it's a long ways away. So I, I think that we're so for for a lawsuit purposes, we're we're gonna have absolutely nothing that comes out with that besides little bit tidbits here or there. So I, I do think that there will be some changes that are made. It's just gonna take a while for us to see them. Now, Kobe, back to your point about the South Koreans. Do you think that the potential of them really not knowing when they could have to go to the military probably affects the negotiating power that those players have? Because they could come out and play one tournament, they could be able to play 30 tournaments, and there's really nothing that live the PGA Tour or really anyone else could do about that. Yeah, that's a good question because I don't know exactly how the military service works. Like, I don't know if there's a certain age that it has to be completed by. I don't know if they can just 20, call upon you whenever they 28. 28, it has to be completed by, or you have to begin by 28? You have to begin by 28. It says, okay. I have it somewhere, but, but it's once you turn 18, they can pull you any time until you're 28. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's, wow. Yeah, that's tough for those guys. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, obviously, if you're signing a contract or some sort of thing, something like that with Liv, you'd have to have some sort of provision uh, where if you got called for military service. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's wild. That, that could definitely be affecting their negotiating power. Sam, any other thoughts on the on the live? Uh, you know, Jay Monahan talking later this afternoon before we get into some technology stuff. Um, no, I, I would like to hear uh, our reports confirmed uh, about the five hundred thousand dollars yes. for the lower guys on tour. Uh, that's another thing that I would like Jay Monahan to do to kind of uh, uh, you know re- uh, reaffirm what we said earlier in the week or last week. You know, now, you know, real quick, Colby, I want to ask you this. Do you, okay, so of all the changes that we that we heard potentially from the players' meeting, is it is it? I think it's very possible that, like for example, the five hundred k that that Sam was first to report going out to the players. I feel like that's something that could be announced very very soon. Like with maybe today, even that could be something that goes down. Um, I I don't think it will be, but I'm just I'm trying to emphasize that it could happen quick. Whereas, for example, the WGC the eighteen events that could be something we don't hear about for quite some time, in my opinion. So, don't you think, Colby, that these things that are coming out in the players mean they're kind of kind of kind of transpire one at a time instead of just kind of in a lump sum like the information that we got? Yeah, you could definitely be right because Monahan could want to, you know, kind of roll some things out today, uh, you know, look good, giving the lower guys some more money. Maybe they do something for the Ferry Tour. I don't know uh, what all they're going to do. But, yeah, you could do something like that. And then, like you said, any of that WGC type stuff, that's not necessarily time sensitive. Uh, and also, we, we've got to keep in mind, too, the players meeting was last week. It's only been a week. So, I mean, Jay Monahan, it's not like anything can be – firmly set in stone yet he got the proposal from the players i'm sure he looked it over but i mean there's people he has to take take it to and talk to it so uh, i mean i wouldn't imagine they've had even enough time yet to finalize anything uh so i think that we will hear monahan's thoughts on what was presented to him maybe some of the ideas uh and who knows if any of that is like yes we're for sure going with this uh like kind of the minimum guarantees for guys who earn fully exempt status well, one reason I think that it may happen, the the 500K soon, Colby, is that 
The the first event for next season is it starts September twelfth, or or that's the week that it starts. It starts, it starts September fifteenth out in Napa. So I mean that is less than three weeks away that we're going to have the the first. Yeah, but go ahead, Sam. But they don't get the money up front according to the report, and so I mean technically they could just you know pay anybody who didn't uh, reach that five hundred thousand dollar benchmark at the end of the season. Yeah, but Sam, do you, do you think so, that's something that they would announce? If we've already had discussions about it, is that something they're really going to announce at the middle of the year or towards the end of the year? I feel like that's something that they would want to get out there, especially for all the players to know. Well, if they're still trying to get it together, I mean, it's kind of tough because golf doesn't really have an off season. I see what you're saying, that they should get it done before the season, let guys know. Um, but at the same time, I mean, golf's one of those sports where you can't really do things over the off season, right? Yeah, it's a very good point. But I do tell you one thing, you know, those guys don't know exactly what's going to happen. I do know what is going to happen. We're going to have a great time on August 29th, this upcoming Monday, at the hashtag NALZ Golf Scramble. We're going to play some great golf at Oak Tree Country Club. Uh, uh, shotgun starts at 9 o'clock. Breakfast and lunch are included uh, in the tournament. Uh, it's gonna, like I said, it's going to be a great time for a great cause. If you want to get your team signed up, call Tyler Marks at 405-205-0662, or you can hit him up on Facebook as well to get your spot reserved today for the hashtag and ALZ. Really looking forward to Sam hitting bombs, Colby making putts, Woody hitting it close to the to the pin and me just sitting back and enjoying the enjoying the great cause. So absolutely I got I got a lesson from Woody yesterday, by the way. Oh, oh you gotta let us in, Sam. What did he say? So <laughs> we go over to Oak Tree. We were gonna discuss a couple things as far as the podcast goes. Um, and instead of a business meeting, Woody goes, get your clubs out of your car and come up here. I'm going to teach you a couple things. And so we worked on getting a little shallower guys. And so, um, you know, for, for the guy that doesn't play golf that much anymore, but used to play golf, it's easier for me to try to envision myself kind of extending that right arm out and around and, and trying to hit some, some lower draws and everything. And because, when I get steep, I play really bad golf. And so as long as I'm not steep, guys, and what hitting a low draw allows me to do is not get steep. And so we kind of worked on that a little bit, and then we drove around Oak Tree National. By the way, the greens look uh, really solid on the back nine. They're really coming in. It, it should be done. I mean, guys, within a, a month or two, I'm very excited to see – what it's going to be like. They didn't change many undulations in the greens. It's going to be one of the toughest courses in the country for sure now that the greens are firm and fast. Now, Sam, I mean, and Colby could attest to this. He's a member at the at the greens where they put in Bermuda, Bermuda grass. Sam, the first year that that course is open, it is going to be so unbelievably hard because Bermuda, when you first put it in, is literally as hard as concrete. I don't know how some of those holes are going to be playable. Yeah, they're going to be very, very firm and very fast. However, they did keep the original, I, I don't know the you know technical term for it, but um, they just killed the bent grass. They didn't dig up the greens, and, and that's how they kept the exact, um, the, the exact undulations. And so basically, they softened the front of a couple greens that would have been unfair, like number six um, and number 13. They softened the front of those so you won't get the, the huge front-to-back uh, slope on the front of those greens. But other than that, guys, I mean, yeah, they're going to be firm and they're going to be fast, and, and it's going to play a whole lot different. And I think members might be in for a rude awakening in the wintertime, guys. 
win. You know, those uh, Bermuda greens, especially, you know, the tip eagle, we've seen it, you know, out at Oak Tree on the on the chipping green when they tested all this out. I mean, in the wintertime um, and in the fall, guys, those greens are like putting on glass, right, Colby? Oh, yeah, they're going to be super, super speedy. Coming back to Taylor's point, you know, when the greens change over that first year, it's like, I mean, we're getting full wedges in, like full wedges, full, just maximum spin. And if you're just even the slightest bit downwind at all, it's just like one hop, 25, 30 feet back friend. You're just putting back to wherever you're going. So take that, but put it at Oak Tree National. Woo! Yeah, y'all are going to have y'all's hands full. And, and my reason to say that they just killed the bent grass and kept that original, uh, you know, original green there, the dirt underneath it is it'll have that softer padding underneath it. That's their hope that, that they'll be able to kind of control the firmness a little bit more than normal. Uh, also, we saw one of the craziest things of all time. They're dredging up the pond on number four. And they have like a boat floating in there with a pipe leading all the way, if you've ever played Oak Tree, all the way from the pond on number four to the to the tree on number five, the, the famous Oak Tree that you see on the logos, all the way. So the pipe goes all the way around, and there's these giant bags about like 30 yards long, about the, uh, about the size of an NFL end zone, right? About that wide and that long, just full of fish poop and dirt. And, and probably golf balls in there, giant bags. And I go, how are you guys going to move these things? And they go, honestly, I don't know that we can move them. We're just going to have to wait for all that stuff to dry and then cut them open and then move all the dirt. The, the stuff that they are doing over there and the technology that they're using, guys, is top-notch. I can't wait to play it. And the fairways, no one's been on them for a year, so uh, they're going to be as pure as can be. Man, I, I cannot wait for that, Sam. It sounds like it's going to be absolutely great stuff. Um, before we head, head, head to break here, guys, uh, yesterday we had, uh, over the weekend, we had some rumblings and some reports come out about a Tiger-Rory kind of c- collaboration into a business type thing where it was going to be in stadiums, non-grass event. It came out yesterday that it's officially going to be branded tomorrow. That's T-M-R-W, the uh, the letters to to kind of sound that out. So, and, and Colby, it sounds like that you have, uh, you know, might have a little bit more insight into kind of what the format and all this is going to be because it's kind of been kind of vague up to this point. Yeah, they're going to talk about it a little bit today, but essentially what it's supposed to look like is it's going to be Monday night, prime time, like two hours prime time television, and it's going to be an actual event that takes place in an actual arena. And the build out from the arena in the arena is going to be built out from scratch. So essentially, what's going to happen, like let's say you go to uh, Paycom Center, downtown Oklahoma City, right? You go in, you pack it in like it's a Thunder game, and then down in the base of the arena, there's going to be essentially a simulator, and then there are also going to be greens, like actual greens built out, green complexes with, like, rough and bunkering and stuff. So essentially what's going to happen is, you know, let's say it was Tiger versus Rory in this exhibition. They're going to be mic'd up. They're going to be probably answering questions from the crowd uh, that are going to be coming in live stream on on an iPad to a host or something like that uh, and hitting shots in the simulator. So, you know, they'll hit their full shot in the simulator on a par five, hit a five-wood up their green side, and then all of the stuff on and around the green will actually be played on and around the green in the arena. So is that one green that they can tweak? Uh, you know, is that multiple greens? You know, I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Monday night, prime time, two hours of television, uh, and it'll be a, a simulator green combo in an arena. It's, it's a unique idea. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to see 
how it ends up working. I think obviously if, if Tiger is directly involved, that will help a lot in terms of just getting people to show up to the arenas and stuff. Because, I mean, look, if, if they throw this thing together and then they run out, I, I don't know, even if they ran out Cameron Young and Will Zalatoris, I mean, it'd probably just be golf nerds who were going. But if the first couple are Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, they'll probably fill some arenas and then we'll see if they can have any long-term sustain, sustained success with this idea. I mean, I, I think it might be more more apt to be successful than the match. I mean, the match was kind of boring, right? This has more, you know, potential to kind of be entertaining, right? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think that the, the primetime aspect of it, um, th- one of the things that came out, too, is that obviously they're going to be in collaboration with all the PJ Tour events. So I would expect to see maybe on some bigger event weeks on that Monday if they're able to find a, a venue to be able to do it. I mean, it seems like a, a pretty cool idea to me. I think that it's it's just another element to how we can use technology and use the fact that it's 2022 and we're in a modern age to help continue to grow the game of golf. I think that it's something that, in all honesty, it would have been super cool to have, I mean, even 10 years ago. But at the same time, it, you know, you just need things to advance. And the simulators, now you can have TrackMans in there. You can have all the different numbers you need. But, Colby, I think you make a good point that it depends on if they're going to be able to adjust the greens or not that, that are in the stadium. Because if, if you have a green, and depending on what course they play on the simulator or whatever, I think that'll be very interesting maybe do some fictional courses like the predator that'd be really sick but uh, you know are, are you going to have the major undulations in the greens and are you going to be able to hit like wedge like what is going to be the the closest that you can get to the green i think it's going to be interesting so i don't know colby i think that it's i think it's going to be pretty cool but i agree i think that uh, if, if tiger and rory are there the first few times i think that's going to be the real eye catcher don't you think yeah most definitely and i am curious to see what they do with the greens because you know they have greens that obviously cost a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of money that are fake synthetic grass, but you can essentially take and alter the slope of the green. So, I mean, I don't know how advanced this technology is. Can they take, like, let's say they're, they're going to play Bay Hill. I mean, can they play the first hole at Bay Hill and just take one green complex and press a button and it's already programmed in there to move the slopes around to where it's the, the first green at Bay Hill? Because uh, if they have the technology to do that, then, then this could get pretty sweet. We saw it at the PGA show where they had the like projectors above it. Um, I don't know if that green could move as far as undulations go, but it could definitely tell you different different breaks that were on that specific green, right? Yes, yeah, so yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's, like you said, we saw kind of a smaller scale of it, but Sam's exactly right. That that type of machine, I guarantee you they have it out there. It's just not going to be a, a very cheap endeavor, to say the least, but very entertaining. <laughs> Very entertaining, I think, should be end up being some super cool. And like I said, that, that news isn't going to really come out until 2024. I mean, we'll hear things about it, but that's not something that we're not going to be able to get events for that next week. So we'll just kind of hold the breaks there. Why don't we do this, guys? Let's go to a break, and then we'll come back and we'll dive into the Tier Championship, kind of go through the staggered scoring, see who's sitting where, and uh, get some picks. And also, I do believe we hadn't had Colby on since the, last, uh, since the BMW Championship, and one of his picks did not finish the tournament very well. So I want his opinion on that so make sure to come back and for our second segment on the 73rd hole the official podcast of golf oklahoma when something the size of a golf ball hits your roof you need to call mccray roofing mccray roofing is oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist for years jeff mccray and the experienced team at mccray roofing and exteriors have served fellow oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs 
McCray Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McCray Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McCray Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McCray Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRayRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back here on the 73rd Hole official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Taylor Williams here, joined by Colby Powell and Sam Humphreys. Jim Woodward out of the office today. But, boys, got the Tour Championship. Really excited. It's going to be the end of the, of the PGA Tour season. The season starts in about two more weeks after this, so not much of an offseason, but still always entertaining to see the season end. Now, I kind of teased a little bit before the break, Colby. You had told us before the show that you wanted to rant about one of your picks, Colin Morikawa. He had a very adventurous back nine on Sunday, did he not? Guys, the back nine, this tournament was there for the team. There were like 10 different guys who could win this tournament whenever they were on about the 12th hole, and Colin Morikawa was one of those. And and I saved, you know, I ended up with Morikawa and Hovland still to this last league. Hovland's four over through three rounds, uh, like T64 in a 69-man field. And uh, then Colin Morikawa has a chance to win the tournament. Starts the final round three shots back. And what does Colin Morikawa do? It, it's funny, my wife and I were actually watching the golf, and Morikawa's birdie putt pops up, uh, the holy four putt, I think it's 13 maybe. Uh, and I told my wife, I'm like, boy, I could really stand for him to make this putt. He could make me uh, some money here if he could move up just one or two spots on this leaderboard. So he misses the birdie putt, and then he misses the par putt coming back, and then he misses the bogey putt coming back and kicks it in for a nice little four putt six before proceeding to make a 10 on the next hole. Colin Morikawa absolutely <laughs> murdered my chances of making a comeback in the one-and-done on two holes. Now, Kobe, it seemed like on that four-putt, he wasn't using the, the claw grip. I mean, what's going on? I think that was the entire problem. He went He went away from it. He had gone conventional again. So, uh, I mean, it was a good old-fashioned conventional four-putt on Sunday, so I don't know. Maybe we should go back to the saw claw, whatever. <laughs> Sounds like that that's what he's needed to do. And I tell you what everyone else needs to do as well. Make sure to go see our friends at Ring Family Dentistry. They go out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible. Leading edge technology, they do it all. Implants, clear aligners, orthodontics, they got you covered. All decisions are made by the patient. If they can't show why treatment is needed, they won't prescribe it. They explain their opinion and answer any questions, but they ultimately leave all decisions to the patient. So make sure to go see our friends at Ring Family Dentistry. Now, guys, let's go ahead and dive in to Eastlake and the Tour Championship. I, I think that it's going to be very interesting with, with Scotty Scheffler having a two-shot lead to start it out. Starting at 10 under, we got Patrick Cantlay in there at 8 under. Will Zalatoris had to withdraw. Uh, kind of kind of expected that with how bad his, his, back, his back looked at the BMW. So him starting at 7 under, that will not be there. So third place going in the tournament would be Xander Schauffele at 6 under, then followed by Sam Burns 
at, at five under. So Sam, let's just go ahead and dive into the golf course a little bit. We see a lot of the e, uh, a lot of East Lake Cup, uh, or I see during the East Lake Cup for the college events. So we see East Lake a decent amount throughout the year. Really like the golf course. I think that it's it's very inviting to to you don't necessarily have to overpower it, but I think it's a course that once you can get used to the greens, you, you can sort of start to make putts and you can take advantage of it. it seems to be a, a course that a lot of people who have played there a lot tend to have relative success. So what are you seeing at Eastlake this week? Yeah, I agree with that. And I've talked to uh, Scott Verplank a lot about this in the past. He thinks that Eastlake is one of the best courses they play on the PGA Tour. Uh, guys, there's two guys that a lot of people don't realize have some Eastlake experience, and that's Victor Hovland and Scotty Scheffler. So Scotty Scheffler won the Eastlake Cup uh, medalist in 2016, and uh, Victor Hovland did it in 2018. Uh, so even though those guys don't necessarily have as much tour championship experience, they have East Lake experience, guys. And, uh, I mean, obviously Patrick Cantlay winning there last year. Rory's done well there. Xander's done well there. Jordan Spieth and Billy Horschel have done well there. They are all in the in the tournament this week. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I think the experience is a huge thing this week. Um, but before we get to that, guys, I do have a trivia question um, from Eastlake, which is obviously the home of Bobby Jones. So I'm curious to see if you guys know this. And what year in 2001, they played the USAM. Who won the USAM in 2001? Ready to feel old? Oh, 2001 USAM. Oh, that's taking us back. Taylor, you guys any guesses off the top of your head? Oh, um, I I want to say Kucher, but I think he was. I think he won his younger than that. Chucky, maybe was it Chucky? It wasn't. It was Bubba Dickerson. Remember Bubba Watson and Bubba Dickerson coming out kind of at the same time. Bubba Dickerson won the 2001 USM at East Lake. He is now 41 years old. He finished playing in 2015 and is now the director of tour preparation at Tom Burnett Golf Academy. So shout out to Bubba Dickerson, yeah. Boy, the amount of guesses it would have taken me to get to Bubba Dickerson. <laughs> there, 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 there's, it, it would be infinite. There, there, there's no way I would have ever got that. That was awesome. I stumped you guys. You, you, damn, you damn sure did. Um, you know, Colby, I want to ask your opinion on, on this before we get to our picks. I, I thought, uh, I, I, I can't remember, I think it was Patrick Cantlay. It was either him or Matthew Fitzpatrick, but I think it was Cantlay, who brought up the fact that the, the fact that we went to the staggered scoring system and, and the fact that the whole FedEx Cup r- rides on the Tour Championship, it kind of eliminated the Tour Championship from being an actual tournament from what it used to be. He brought up the point that in 2018, had they had this system, you know, Tiger just would have played the tournament and finished eighth in, in the FedEx Cup, and everything would have been lolly jolly. So, do, do you do you kind of do you see the same side as him? Is that and I feel the same way too that the Tour Championship had its own feel and its own uniqueness before, and I feel like this new system has kind of ruined that in a sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in years past uh, on this show. I hate the format at Eastlake. I hate the way that they determine the tour championship. I don't think that there was anything wrong with it the way before, except a bunch of golf fans, mostly casual golf fans, which we have to understand we're watching it at a little bit different level. Casual golf fans were tuning in for the season finale, and they were getting confused, right? They were getting confused, and they wanted it simplified. So in order to simplify it, they had to make it worse so that we could just have one winner and one trophy and one big check on the final Sunday. And yeah, I don't like it. And 
thank God it didn't start until 2019 because if it did, it would have robbed. If it had started a year earlier, it would have robbed us of truly one of the greatest sports watching moments of my life. Watching Tiger Woods come up that 18th fairway, uh, I, I just I can't imagine that moment not existing if we had gone to this stupid staggered scoring format a year earlier. I couldn't agree more. Sam, do you agree with us, or do you feel a little different? I feel a little different. I like the fact that everyone in the field kind of has a chance to win. Before, it was like they gave people no chance to win, right? It was the three guys, right? And but, I mean, it's still kind of like that with Cantlay and Scotty Scheffler. And by the way, speaking of it not being confusing, I'm confused uh, by this format. Is Will Zalatoris... Uh, it, it, now that he's withdrawn from the event, is Shoffley now at seven, or does he stay at six? Nope. Yeah, yeah, he stays stay at, at six. six. We'll, we'll, yeah, Zalatoris just gets removed, and nobody else gets altered. Okay, yeah, so that makes sense. Um, but to me, I, I do think it's probably easier to watch for the casual golf fan, but I, I agree with you guys. There were other storylines, and obviously – I liked that there was a winner of the tournament and a winner of the FedEx Cup. I, I like that, too. Um, I'm kind of indifferent on it, though. I mean, I understand why they do it. And I, I think that, like I mentioned earlier in, in previous times on the show, I think that it'll change at, at some point just from the fact of, like, Matthew Fitzpatrick came out yesterday and said that he, he's in, like, 15th place or whatever, and someone, I, I can't remember who's in 6th, I believe Rory's in No, Cameron Smith's in 6th, and Matthew Fitzpatrick's in 15th, and he even said it's like, we're, he's six. I'm fifteenth, and we're starting. We're starting one shot off. That doesn't seem uh, very right to me. So I, I do think that they'll end up changing that a little bit. Let's go ahead and dive into our picks a little bit. So I'll go ahead and start off with our DraftKings picks. I'll start, then we'll go with Sam, and then go to Colby from there. Snake draft format. I'm going to start us off down at the very bottom of the barrel. Some very unique pricing this week on DraftKings. Go 5400. Aaron Wise. That's the guy who Sam you were on last week, and, and I've been on some other times earlier this year. I think Colby even uh, rode the train for a little bit, and there's no reason not to. So he, he didn't play in the Masters, but every tournament since the Masters, he's played, I believe, 12 times, and he's only missed one cut in that stretch. Uh, two of his last three tournaments have been inside the top 15, um, and also he has not lost strokes off the tee going all the way back to the Mexico Open, where he actually even finished sixth, but that's been the only time uh, this entire year, guys, that he has not gained shots off the tee. So, Sam, I'm going to go ahead and ride your train from last week with little Aaron Wise. Yeah, guys, uh, so on this week's DraftKings, are you guys going more middle-loaded without going the top guys that are insanely priced like Cantlay or Scheffler, or are you, do you have to put Cantlay or Scheffler in there? I, I, would, I don't have Cantlay or Scheffler. I, do I not, don't have either one. I do not either, and the reason for that is I, would, I think one of them will end up winning the tournament. But because of the fact that I don't know which one it's going to be, I don't want to put that much salary into those guys whenever I can pick a, a lot of a lot of really good players down there and a couple, two, at least three guys who I think could end up making a run to even winning. So I'm going a little bit more middle-loaded, Sam. Okay. Um, that Well, I'll stick with my lineup then. I'm going Brian Harmon at 5,700, a Georgia guy, six top tens on the year, 19 of 25 made cuts, and then his last three events, I mean, obviously you look at the tie for 35th to the BMW, you don't, you don't think that's too great, but look at FedEx. I mean, the FedEx St. Jude, he finished tied for third, um, and he finished tied for sixth at the Open Championship, at the Travelers, he had a top ten as well. So recently, in the second half of the year, he's played some better golf. So I guess Brian Harmon out of the guys in the 5,000s, because that's where I had to go with it. Yeah, I'm in the 5,000s. I thought about Aaron Wise, but I ended up 
on J.T. Poston, who's played some pretty good golf this summer. Uh, he had the win at the John Deere Classic. Obviously, uh, that's the big one. 3M Open. He finished 11th there. 21st at the Wyndham. 20th at the St. Jude. 35th last week at the BMW. It's just been steady from J.T. Poston. And it's a cheap, cheap, cheap price of 5100 That's where I'm going to go for my first pick. I'm going to jump up to 6600 for my second pick, guys. He's playing well. He had to play well because he was outside the top 70 going into the first playoff event, and he's played his way into the tour championship. How good was the bunker shot Adam Scott hit on Sunday on 18? So good. Such a difficult up and in. Oh, my God. And to hit it to a foot is just unbelievable. That was a half-million-dollar bunker shot that he splashed out there to a foot. He's playing good golf. Uh, I'm going to ride him while he's on the heater. Give me Adam Scott at 6,600. Well, Colby, great pick. I got Adam Scott at 6,600, no! six top tens on the year, 18 of 20, made cuts. And Adam Scott, if you look at his previous history at East Lake in 2019, a sixth, in 2016, eighth, in 2014, ninth, in 2011, he finished sixth. Even in 2013, he had an off year and finished 14th. Uh, so guys, I mean, Adam Scott loves himself some East Lake. It's an obvious pick in the 6,000. It's so obvious I had to do it myself. 6,600, Adam Scott, to back-to-back top five finishes, has gained shots off the tee in his last five events. I, I, I love Adam Scott, and like Colby mentioned, one of the best bunker shots you will ever see for, from what uh, what he did on that last hole at uh, at uh, in Wilmington. So absolutely stellar stuff. I'm going to go all the way up, guys, and I'll say this. If you could tell me that I could get – uh, this guy at 7,800, I would probably do it every single time as much as I don't root for him. And it was so funny, the uh, the caddy player conversation we had last week. But I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth, guys. I mean, even with that, that shot in the water, he finished 19th uh, last week, gaining shots off the tee and approach and even around the greens as well. So on a little bit of form there, doesn't have particularly that he won here in 2015 and finished second in 2013. But other than that, been, been kind of off. Only one other top 10 finish in there. Had his 27th and a 20th in there. So he's kind of hit or miss at Eastlake. But I do think this week will be a hit. So I'm going with Jordan Spieth at 7,800, Sam. Guys, I have a conundrum here in the middle of my lineup. Do I go with previous course history here at Eastlake, or do I go with how guys are playing? Because Scott Stallings has been playing some unbelievable golf lately, but I'm actually going to leave some money on the table and go down to 6,900 and spot Scott Stallings the two shots and give me Billy Horschel to beat Scott Stallings this week, uh, even with the two-shot advantage that Stallings has on him. Uh, Billy Horschel, three top tens on the year, 16 of 20 made cuts. But here at East Lake, guys, he's only finished outside the top 10 one time, um, and that was in 2020. Um, obviously, he had a win here in 2014. Billy Horschel is one of those guys that I think is going to have a really solid week, even though he's starting at what, one under? Yes, one under. Yeah, Horschel's right, Horschel's right down the list. All right, I thought you had a follow-up there after your uh, strong start. Uh, we are thinking a lot alike. I've got Billy Horschel, 6,900 as my next pick. Uh, Billy Horschel, just, he's solid down there. That's his part of the world. He plays good on these grasses. So I'll take Billy Horschel at 6,900. I'm going to jump up, guys, and you know what I want to do? I'm a nice guy. I'm forgiving. I'm patient. I believe in second chances. Give me Colin Morikawa at 7,900. I need somebody to start down (laughs) a little ways. And here's here's the thing, guys. I feel like he's close, right? Like he's been searching for it all summer, and I feel like he is close. He played 70 holes last week that would have had him within three or four of the eventual winner. 
He just so happened to have two holes in the back nine on Sunday that he played seven over. So I'm going to give him a chance to redeem himself. Colin Morikawa, 7,900. Guys, I am going with Jordan Spieth at 7,800 with my next pick. Six top tens on the year, 16 of 21 May cuts. Now, guys, I see a trend with Jordan Spieth at Eastlake. Every other time he plays at Eastlake, he finishes in the top ten. Now, last year he finished in, he finished 20th, right? And before that, the time before that that he played, he finished 7th, then 17th, then 1st, then 27th then second. So this means that this year he has to finish inside the top 10. Yes, I I hope you're right because, like I mentioned, I already have him as well. So, yeah, I mean, we're all thinking alike, but at the same time, there's only 30 players in the field. So we only have so many guys uh, that we can pick. I'm going to go up to 8,500. Boys, give me Victor Hovland. Sam had mentioned earlier, has some experience there playing in the East Lake Cup. And in eight rounds here on on this course, guys, he's played here twice. He's gained 2.12 shots on the field with a fifth-place finish last year. So I, I like I like Victor Hovland. I feel like that he's kind of been on a little bit of a, of a slide, but he's he, he was on a bit of a slide, but he's getting it figured out now with a fourth place finish at the open and then two straight uh, made cuts as well. Didn't have a, a cut last week, but he gained shots around the green, which is something that we we don't hardly ever see. So feel like he might be figuring out something there. Then I'm going to go all the way up, guys. To I can't let me make sure t- ten thousand nine hundred. I think this is my next cheapest. Give me John Rom. It's this is a guy who has had he. He figured something out last week on the putting green. He even alluded to it in his press conference. Gained 1.29 shots last week putting. He actually lost strokes gain approach, which is something that we've only seen one time going all the way back to the Players' Championship. So I think that I think Rom is going to get his ball striking figured out and go from there. And he really likes this course, guys. I mean, in five appearances here, he never finished worse than 12th. And the last two years, Sam, he's finished inside the top four. So really, really like John Rom going in this week. I do feel like if it's not going to be be one of the top two guys, Scheffler or Cantlay. I do think Rom will be the winner. With my next pick, give me 9,900 Sam Burns. Eight top tens on the year, 17 of 23 made cuts. But the thing that I like about Sam Burns the most is eight out of his last nine events, he has gained shots on the field putting, and five of those he gained over a shot on the field putting. Uh, so I think that Sam Burns, Colby, will get it done on the greens this week. Yeah, Sam Burns is a good pick. I like me some Sam Burns always. Uh, let's see, where was I at here? My second cheapest option, Rory McIlroy plays East Lake well. He's starting, I believe, four under, which is six bag, juicy little pairing with Cam Smith too. That one could be a lot of fun. That's that's the pairing I would be following if I were out at East Lake these next couple of days, or at least tomorrow. I can't remember if they repair after the first round because the Tour Championship it, it's a little individual weird event. So I'll say Rory at ten thousand eight hundred. And then, guys, I'm just going to take the East Lake assassin. Now, normally, he's playing great at East Lake in an attempt to move up from, like, 14th to 7th. But this year, he has an actual actual chance to win the golf tournament. He's proven this summer that he finally learned how to win. That is none other than gold medalist, Mr. Xander Schauffele, 12,300. Uh, you look back at since the Tigers scoring began at East Lake, he's by far the most under par of anybody in the field at East Lake. Uh, love me some Xander this week at 12-3. I like Xander this week too, Colby, but I had to go with one of those top two guys. I was going to flip a coin, but Cantlay is a little cheaper, so I went with Cantlay at 13000 Probably the most expensive guy I've ever picked on DraftKings. Um, but I'm going Cantlay at 13000 Ten top tens on the year, 15 of 17. 
made cuts, one here last year, and I think he gets it done again this week considering the experience in the Tour Championship. I know Scotty has the experience he dub um, in the East Lake Cup, but it's a little bit different. Give me Cantlay at 13000 so I, I had misspoke earlier because I gave my most expensive pick, and for $100, I'm actually going to get my second cheapest option. Last, that's Rory McIlroy. Col- Colby's on him as well. He's won here twice back 2016 and, and 2019, and he fed a T8 last week after the miscut. I think the miscut is a very big fluke, so I do expect Rory to play well. Got a little bit of a conundrum, guys, because everyone I picked is either starting at three under or worse, or four under, I mean, or worse. So going to need someone in my DraftKings uh, to move up. But going into the one-and-done picks, this is where I'm going to get a little bit top-heavy. I've been saving these guys essentially all year for this tournament, which may not be smart because I'm basically DFL in the one-and-done, so I don't know if saving these guys was best, but maybe it'll <laughs> maybe it'll help out once the event's over. So going to go with Xander Schauffele first in, in five rounds here. He's only His worst finish is seventh, one back here in 2017, fifth and second, second last three years respectively and obviously he's been on a pretty mega heater going all the way back to his two wins at the Travelers and the Genesis so really really like Xander Schauffele even though he cost his buddy from starting in the first place which is why I am going to go with the guy who I think like I mentioned earlier I think Rom out of the top two could make the biggest run but out of the top two I will go ahead and pick Scotty Scheffler I do think he is going to end up winning the tournament two shot lead on Cantlay so I like that and uh, he, he's played here twice finished fifth back here in 2020 didn't play particularly well last year, but still, I, I do think he's going to ride one of the best years that we've seen. And recent memory, Sam, and I think he's going to cap it off with a FedEx Cup win. Well, I saved Scotty Scheffler as well, and you know what that got me to the uh, 78th place uh, so far in uh, the one-and-done pool out of, I don't know, like 100, so I'm a little little below average in the one-and-done um, but yeah, Scotty Steffler is my number one pick in the one and done this week. And then give me Billy Horschel, uh, because you know, of his previous course history at East Lake, I think that he was probably my best option other than Scott Stallings, I guess. We'll see how that goes. Colby. Uh, yeah, guys, I've got Scotty Scheffler as well. I think Scotty Scheffler and Cameron Smith, the two guys who had the two best seasons, I thought I might come into the tour championship with number one and number two. Uh, and then Cameron Smith fell and couldn't get up last week. He had some hip issues. So I ended up starting with a guy at 10 under and a guy at 4 under. So I'll go Scotty Scheffler and Cameron Smith. Also, guys, I, I really don't have time to stick around and react to this. But I want to throw this out here and maybe y'all can uh, go another 5 or 10 minutes. Jay Monahan today. Uh, 12 events are being moved to elevated status. An additional four are going to set are set to join that level with larger purses in the 15 to 25 million range. Uh, the players who get the pimp money will now be required to play at least 20 events a season, as opposed to 15. The elevated events for this next season are the four majors, the players, the three FedEx Cup playoff events, the Genesis Arnold Palmer match play, and the Century Tournament of Champions. Uh, let's see, there was one other thing in here I wanted to get to. The PIP is going to be expanded to the top 20 player as opposed to top 10 with a bonus pool of $100 million, as opposed to the $40 million for the top 10. Uh, and then last, but certainly not least, as you heard here first, the tour will also add an earnings assurance program which guarantees a player earns at least $500,000 with the circuit funding any gap in earnings. The tour will also start a travel stipend program 
with $5,000 per player for every missed cut for non-exempt members. Uh, guys, I've got a, a wiggling, screaming baby in here I've got to take care of. Uh, so y'all y'all react to that however you want to. But, uh, yeah, good good reporting last week, Sam. Uh, and great show, fellas. I'll talk to you next week. Handle, handle Layla Colby. Thanks, Colby. Have, have a good best. one. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, See you, fellas. Uh, there's Colby Powell right there giving us uh, right on top of the news from the Jay Monahan meeting. So, Sam, just just kind of off of what he just read, anything really stick out to you besides the fact that you were the first to report the uh, the 500k <laughs> minimum? Congratulations on that. Very very good stuff. So, anything else that you got Colby it right. said? You got that, it right. Anything else that Colby say stick out to you there? Um, that was a lot, wasn't it? I mean, I'll have it to really look was. at it like a list or something. I, I need to look this up on Twitter. Maybe we should pause the podcast real, real quick and find like a list on Twitter or something. So, so, so <laughs> because I, I, that was an unbelievable amount of stuff there. I mean, we need to go through it one by one probably to react to this. Yeah. So, so I, I've, I've got it right here from, uh, off Twitter. So the main thing that, that I feel like that Colby went there that kind of stuck out to me was. The PIP is going to extend from 10 players now to 20 players. Uh, bonus pool going all the yep. way up to $100 uh, million. And mentioned that the minimum now to play, you have to play in 20 events as opposed to, what was it, 15, I believe, to get in there. So, Sam, we, we had kind of talked about this before with the PIP system. It, it was just a way for them to kind of celebrate the bigger names in the game and give them more money. It seems like that's they've even expanded that now to this point to a fairly high extent. Yeah, and I think they're thinking to moving it to 20 tournaments is probably the fact that they're doing the four and then the extra, I mean, that 12 and then the extra four events that are elevated. Is that the words that they use, T-Dub? Basically, the WGC-style events, right? And so, um, I mean, that's 16 events right there that the big names will probably play in and then, you know, add a couple other, um, you know, smaller events. I think that's where you get your 20 number. Um, yeah, T-Dub, I, I think the thing that sticks out to me the most um, is probably the PIP because are those guys, is that on top of what the two are paying them under the table, like guys like Rory and Tiger and JT and all those guys? Because we know they're getting paid under the table. We have to. I mean, we don't know that. And But, I mean, there's no way that the PGA Tour was just sitting around with their hand in their pants saying, you know, oh, you know, even though if we lost Rory and JT to live, there's no way that they were just sitting around not paying those guys because if they would have lost one or both of those guys to live, I mean, the PGA Tour would have been done, right? And and here's here's a quote from Jay Monahan when asked about live. Quote, when you're dealing with a non-economic actor, you have to come back to the core of who you are and if that is providing the single greatest competitive access and opportunities for players and pipeline that, how do you make that stronger? So, Sam, it seems like that he, he pretty much just kind of ripped Liv calling him a non-economic actor, but yet just credited them for making all these changes. That's exactly what it sounded like to me. They're literally copying Liv. I mean, they're moving the pit to 20 players. They're, they're doing the same type of bigger events for bigger money, just like Liv was doing. They're giving guaranteed money to guys. They're giving the $5,000 for the missed cuts. They're giving the $500,000 at the end of the year for anybody who didn't make the $500,000 benchmark for guys that are either just getting on the PGA Tour or really struggled that year. It sounds like that they're copying Liv but bashing Liv. It makes no sense, right, T-Dub? They're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. 
And, and here's some here's some other things that uh, that Colby didn't mention, or at least one thing he didn't mention was getting into the Tour Championship. Now it comes with a two year exemption, not a not just a uh, one year exemption. So I feel like that 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 will actually be a fairly interesting deal there, even more incentive uh, to get into it. And even this, Sam, I want your opinion on this. I, I don't know yet if this is on top of the 500k that you had reported, but essentially guys are going to be getting five thousand dollars now for missed cuts. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good thing to me. I think it does sound like that's on top of it, right? And and I mean that's a huge deal because you know before a guy, especially I don't know, does that go all the way down to the Corn Ferry Tour T Dub or not? I don't believe so. 5, I don't believe so. so. Just the PGA it, it, Tour. I, okay. I believe just PGA Tour. That that, that may change okay. or that may be different, but just as of what's being reported right now. But either way, you know the five hundred thousand is like your your rookie minimum or whatever that we see in the NBA, right? And so. Um, to me, I think that it's a good thing. I mean, in the NBA or MLB that we talk a lot about the major league baseball because, you know, it's very comparable in, in popularity here in America, as far as, um, you know, we were talking a lot about the TV ratings and stuff like that, but could you imagine a world where an MLB player had to pay for the flight to the next game? I mean, (laughs) I think it's a great thing to give them at least $5,000 to say you're at least not going to lose money coming to play in an event. And this this all could be extra steps to kind of making guys employees, right? I mean, I don't think it would ever get to the point to where you're like you are if you work at Starbucks or whatever like that. But I do feel like these are things that could be implemented to to say that the, the, the tides have turned. They really have. It's The game of golf is going to be absolutely crazy, Sam, once, once this is all settled. And I think we're going to see even more changes come along. So trying to scroll through here, see if there's anything that I missed. I don't think that there has been anything else. I think Colby highlighted a lot of it. Um, is there anything I, else, Sam, on, on the new stuff? I that- do have one thought. I have one thought here. It, it says that the PIP is a pool of $100 million. So that doesn't mean the winner is going to get $100 million, T-Dub. That just means it's, it's spread out throughout the 20 Correct. guys. And so to me, I mean, Yes, that's a good thing to try to keep, you know, the top 20 guys around. But if a guy, if Liv comes to Patrick Cantlay and offers him a guaranteed $80 million, I mean, what's that PIP money going to do? That's exactly right. So it's, I'll be interested to see what the, what the winner will get from that, because I believe it was what, 8 million last year. Uh, I believe that's what Tiger won. We came out and saw that Phil won, but apparently we we decided to change that or we needed a little bit more time. And that's going to be one thing about the pit that's interesting is, are we going to find out eight months after the fact, like we did this last year, who ends up winning it? Um, One other thing here, Sam, what's your opinion on this? Uh, This is the, I believe the last thing that we've missed here. Uh, there is no longer a 15-season minimum for lifetime membership. So now Rory and Justin Thomas meet that criteria because they've won uh, enough times on the tour. So uh, that seems pretty interesting to me that that they get rid of that 15-year minimum to try to benefit these younger guys. Yeah, it does. And and as far as, um, you know, the PIP, one last thing on that is it, does it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. You know, obviously they had the meeting with the top 20 guys to try to, you know, you know, figure out how to keep these guys around. But it doesn't make sense, T-Dub. It doesn't add up. I mean, these guys have to be getting paid somewhere else, right? I mean, it, it doesn't add – basically I'm saying, like, if, if Liv comes and offers, you know, a guy like a Cam Smith a contract, nothing in this, if I'm Cam Smith – makes me go, wow, I just need to stay on the PGA Tour, right? I mean, unless he's getting paid somewhere else 
through whether the PGA Tour has gathered investors together to try to give, uh, you know, Cam Smith some guaranteed money through like endorsement deals or something like that. I don't know what the the, the uh, what the attraction would be for a guy that's thinking about going to live for staying on the PGA Tour out of a top elite player, right? Yeah, I definitely agree that you know all these things are just a little bit too little too late to save what has really been a, a slowly sinking ship for players leaving the PGA Tour. Going to live, I, I do think that, for example, maybe maybe the minimums is going to be enough to detract, you know, maybe those kind of fringe guys like Pearson Cootie may have been too good, but in who, who's some, just someone around that skill level, right? The, the college players, because I think that that has been a, a real big scare factor for the PJ Tour is live coming after the young great players like they did with Chikara. And so I think that that's those are the few small things that may be able to detract them from going. But no, anyone who's already committed to live or is potentially thinking about it these don't absolutely sweep your mind and say oh man yeah I definitely have to stay on the PJ Tour now but I, I do think so, that these are, go ahead Sam yeah so I, I just found the 12 elevated events that would be the FedEx St. Jude the BMW and the Tour Championship the Tour Championship will go up to 75 million the BMW and the FedEx St. Jude will be at 20 million. Then it goes, the Genesis at Riviera will be 20. All these that I'm about to list will be 20 million. Um, Bay Hill Memorial, the WGC Dell match play championship. And then the century tournament of champions will be 15 million. Um, and then there's a few others that uh, are to be announced on that T-Dub, but that's kind of what we, you know, we're talking about early in the show before we even knew this um, It is the big events that are going to be elevated. Yes, and it seems like that they're already on their way to kind of doing, uh, you know, that that elite event uh, prospect of the, the 18 events. And just for comparison's sake, the, the Players' Championship this year, which was touted forever for being the biggest purse in golf, was exactly $20 million. So $3.6 million went to Cam Smith, Sam. So from now on in all those events, if you win it, besides the Tour Championship, like you mentioned, would be even more than that. You're going to get $3.6 million. So, I mean, that's... That's fairly good. I mean, because the the uh, the live events are are four million. So I mean, if you win the event, you're really not too far off from that. And T Dub here, where it says the five hundred thousand now, it says for fully exempt members, Corn Ferry Tour category and above. Now that means that even Corn Ferry guys are getting the guaranteed five hundred thousand, or not? Is, is that what that means? Phrase that one more time, Sam. So what it says here on the outline of the future schedule and changes in compensation uh, from what Monahan said, it says um, the $500,000 uh, guarantee league minimum is uh, for fully exempt members, corn fairy tour category and above. Yes, that's exactly. But uh, I don't know what, I guess, fully exempt. So yeah, that would, yeah. Uh, from the way I'd understand that. Yeah, that's exactly what that would mean. So, so that would mean a fully exempt Corn Ferry Tour member would get that, but if you just Monday qualified in or just had conditional status on the Corn Ferry, you would not get that. And that would that would be absolutely crazy if that went all the way down the Corn Ferry Tour. That that would be that's something I wouldn't be expecting, and that's something that would be absolutely revolutionary because it's so much more money uh, to to go out on the Corn Ferry Tour because you don't get you don't get paid the same lucrative purses. That's right, and so I'm not sure if that's the case. I'm reading this here. Um, it seems like from a pretty reputable source, but we'll talk about that on the next show. I'm sure uh, once we learn more about this. Obviously, all this just came out. 
Absolutely, Sam. So before we get out of here, I want to tell, make sure to tell all of our friends to go or to go see all of our friends at Quelp Creek Bank. Are you a small business owner looking for a bank that understands your unique financial needs? Would you like to develop a relationship with a banker who knows you and your family by name? That's Quelp Creek Bank's mission. Uh, they are family and they consider their customers as part of their family. Uh, so come ex- make sure you experience the difference at Quelp Creek Bank. Um, before we get out of here, Sam, any closing thoughts? Uh, one more tournament, the Players uh, Championship is now $25 million, Tito. Wow. So it's uh, – it's uh, Liv has definitely made the, the PJ Tour look at some changes. So very, very interesting stuff. And it's going to be crazy to see what even more comes out from it. And I'll be honest, I, I feel like that we got a lot more news uh, from this announcement than, than I would have thought. But kind of like I even said earlier so, in the show before uh, – go ahead, Sam. No, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I was just going to say so – to me, I mean, a lot of people were going to ask how Liv is going to have 14 events and go up against the PGA Tour. Well, they just don't have events on those 12 weeks, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it, it's very simple. Yeah. And and for, I mean, it, it makes complete sense on the Liv's on on Liv's standpoint of having the 14 events. You can easily fit 14 events around um, the playoffs and, and the Genesis and the Arnold Palmer and the Memorial and. Uh, the match play in the century. Other than that, I mean, you, you have plenty of weeks with, uh, with you know, less events going on and less, you know, events with smaller accolades going on. I think it's pretty obvious what Liv is doing. And, and Sam, wouldn't that be just an ideal scenario? Because watch, let's watch the Arnold Palmer one week and then let's go to the next week where we watch the, the big Liv event. If we got Dustin Johnson, Kepka, Bryson, uh, Cam Smith, those guys playing, and then let's just go to a big tour event next week then go to Liv next week. I mean, from a golf viewership perspective, it's absolutely great, is it not? It is. However, I would like to see the field be merged together, right? Imagine a, a world where everyone was allowed to play in whatever event they wanted throughout those, right? I mean, what if you had everybody in professional golf that was an elite player be able to play in the 12 PGA Tour events and the 14 live events? It's it's what I would want as well. It it, it will seem weird if we only get the four majors to be the events where uh, – where those were, were both tours merge essentially, and and even even at the Presidents Cup, it would be great to see, uh, you know, kind of those little bit of feuds go on, but it's just not going to happen. So I don't know, Sam. Seems like there's a lot more that's coming out about it, and there's going to be so many more changes coming down the line. But I cannot wait to sit back and watch all of it. So Sam, thank you again. Thank you to uh, to Coley Powell who had to leave to take care of the baby. We will be back next week here on the seventy third hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.